0: This morning, we have the privilege of hearing from Dan Kuyper. Dan's been with us before, and uh, he's going to bring the word this morning. So, Dan, let's give him a warm welcome. Right, Good morning, and happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. Uh, you know, it dawned on me on the way here, none of us would be here without you. Think about that. Uh, <laughs> I, I once heard the story of a husband who got up early with the three little kids to make his wife a special Mother's Day breakfast, and they presented her with breakfast in bed. I mean, what a way to start the day, huh? And then the husband said, you know, honey, since it's Mother's Day, don't you worry about cleaning up the kitchen and doing all the dishes. That can wait till tomorrow. <laughs> you know, we husbands are just thoughtful like that sometimes. Uh, I actually found myself thinking a lot about my mom as I was putting this message together. Now, I happen to be the youngest child in my family, and as a result, I was unfairly criticized by my siblings for most of my life, who accused me of being a mama's boy. They called me spoiled. My brother actually tried to get me written out of the will because he said, you got everything when you were at home. Uh, any other babies of the family out there? Oh, God love you. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I finally just had to tell my siblings the truth. Uh, mom and Dad kept having kids until so they found the one they liked. <laughs> this is so not my issue. Um, now, I loved my mom, but she sure <laughs> drove me crazy sometimes. I mean, things would come out of her mouth as like, Oh my word, I remember vowing I would never say those things when I became a parent. Now, how many of you either are or used to be a child? (laughs) Okay, so you understand what I'm talking about because these things are fairly universal. I think these sayings are written in a parent handbook somewhere. Phrases like this, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. This one I heard a lot. Do you think money grows on trees? And how about, look at me when I'm talking to you? And ironically, that was often followed by, don't look at me like that. Uh, Sometimes I'd leave the lights on after I left the room, and I'd hear, do you think we own the electric company? Or, Or heaven forbid, you walk out the back door and leave it open. My mom used to say, shut the door, were you born in a barn? And, and I remember her asking me that once and, and being a bit of a smart aleck child, I pointed out that Jesus was born in a barn. <laughs> and, and she spanked me. <laughs> uh, and my mom was one of those syllable spankers, you know. I told you not to talk back to me, young man. And then she'd always end with, did you hear me? Like, I'm going to say, no. Could you repeat that again? I didn't, I didn't quite pick up on that. Maybe you're spanking me too hard. Um, How about this? Don't get smart with me. I heard that a time or two. I'm only going to say this once. And how many of us actually heard that? Thousands of times. And then there's that age-old phrase that parents use whenever they can't come up with a good reason for you to do what they told you to do. Because I said so. That's why. Well, this morning I have a confession to make. All those things I swore I would never say when I was a parent, I've used them all. Every single one. It's like I'd open my mouth and my mother would come out. Uh, But that is because whether good or bad, we learn things from our parents. And, And despite having picked up their annoying phrases and idiosyncrasies, I am thankful that my parents also pass along some amazing things to me. Their giving nature, their respect for others, their faith in God. My parents also gave me a, a love of gardening. My dad was always growing vegetables. Mom always had her flower gardens. And I got my love of gardening from them. Our backyard is actually my Garden of Eden. I think we got a picture of it here. I raise hostas. I've got like 300 different kinds of, of hostas. And I can thank my parents that I was blessed with a green thumb. And I learned something from them about gardening when I was just a kid. And that is, I can prepare the soil, I can put the plant in the ground, I can fertilize it, mulch it, prune it, water it, but I cannot make it grow. Try as I might, I cannot make a plant grow strong and produce abundant flowers or fruit. Only God can do that. But what I can do is create an environment where growth can take place. And friends, the same is true of our spiritual life. Try as we might, we cannot make ourselves grow, just like we can't force ourselves to be taller by doing stretching exercises or trying really hard. We can't force ourselves to grow spiritually just by going to church every Sunday or having a devotional time every morning or praying before every meal. These are all good things, but in and of themselves, they cannot cause growth. Only God by the power of his Holy Spirit, can bring about spiritual growth. Our job is to create an environment. His job is to bring growth. When I was a pastor, I used to have this saying on my desk. My job is to be faithful. God's job is to provide results. And friends, to this day, whenever I feel myself feeling overwhelmed and stressed, it's because I'm trying to do god's job and this morning if you find yourself overwhelmed or anxious maybe it's because of of health issues or family problems uh stress at school or or in your marriage all the craziness that's going on in our country right now i encourage you to do your job and let god do his i encourage you to be faithful And let God provide the results. Well, our text this morning is found in the book of Colossians, chapter 2. Powerful words from the Apostle Paul, not just meant for the Colossian church years ago, but for Hope Community Church in Lowell, Indiana today. Words that remind us that if we are to grow in our spiritual lives, we must do our job. We must be faithful. Colossians 2, starting with verse 1. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that maybe they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Paul reminds that Colossian church, as he reminds this one today, to do our job, to be faithful as we live day to day. When I care for my lawn, I use a Scott's four-step program. Scott's provides a specific plan for growing a healthy lawn that requires four applications, each of which builds on the previous step. And they have to be taken in order or they're not effective. Well, in the last verse of our text, Paul gives believers a three-step plan for a healthy spiritual life. And I'd like to share that plan with you this morning. And we'll see how each one builds on the one before. First, he says, we are to be rooted and built up in Christ. So in other words, we are to be grounding ourselves. Now, if you know anything about gardening, you know the importance of roots. Roots are what sustain plants and trees and and flowers. Roots draw up water from the soil. Roots are what makes plants stand firm. And if plants don't have a good, healthy root system, they more than likely will die. But if they do happen to live, they will not only be very weak and susceptible to the elements, but they certainly will not produce healthy fruit. And the same can be said of Christians. If we are not grounded in Christ, we cannot expect to grow and withstand the storms of life or produce fruit the way Jesus would like us to. So Paul's admonition for the Colossian church years ago, his admonition for Hope Community Church today is be firmly rooted, be grounded in Christ. Just like a healthy plant has a strong root system that draws its its nourishment, actually its life from the soil, so also must followers in Christ be rooted in and draw our life from Christ. He is our strength. He is our solid ground. He will make us firm through the fiercest drought and storm. The stronger our root system The harder it will be to uproot us. Now, there was a good reason that Paul stressed to the Colossian church the importance of being rooted and built up in Christ. He mentions it in verse 4. He says, I tell you this so that no one will deceive you by fine sounding arguments. You see, there were false teachers in that day doing everything in their power to uproot those who were part of the Colossian church. Now, these weren't the kind of teachings that were blatantly unchristian, teachings that were obviously off the wall and therefore easy to reject. These were life philosophies that sounded pretty good. They were appealing even to people in the church. Paul calls them fine-sounding arguments. And that's what made them so deceptive. They sounded fine. And friends, we need to remember that same enemy that prompted the people uh, to entice the Colossian church with all those false teachings is still at it today. He is the master of deception, and he will do everything he possibly can to take you and me out of relationship with Christ. So he tries to deceive us with false messages, fine-sounding messages, Messages like, come on, who doesn't cheat on their taxes? Everyone has sex before marriage. One more drink won't kill you. If there's mutual consent, it can't be wrong. If no one finds out, no one gets hurt. It's your body. You have a right to do with it what you choose. Fine-sounding arguments of our day that we are being bombarded with. And make no mistake about it, these aren't just coming from mainstream media, social media, and Hollywood. They are coming from the devil himself. And that is why it is just as important for Hope Community Church in Lowell as it was for that Colossian church to hear the voice of God saying, don't be deceived by those lies. You must have strong roots that are grounded, not in public opinion, but in Jesus Christ. This morning, I'd like to offer two ways that we can stay grounded. And the first is through God's word. You know, for us to blossom as believers, we must have roots that dig down deep into the richness of God's word. Let's dig into Psalm 1, for example. God says this, Blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on His law day and night. Get this, they are like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Friends, we cannot expect to prosper if we're not growing and we cannot possibly grow if we are not rooted in the word of the living God. It's when we meditate on His Word day and night that we draw strength and nourishment from Christ. We must know His Word, be familiar with His promises to us, understand His desires for us. We must see His commands not as being restrictive like the world sees them, but as being protective, given in love, meant to guard us from being hurt by the evil influences of our day. We must be grounded in Christ through his life-giving word. It is on Christ, the solid rock, that we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We've got to be grounded in God's word. I remember when I was a little kid in Sunday school, and again at Highland Christian School, memorizing Bible verses. And it wasn't just to put a star on a chart. I'll tell you, those words that I memorize as a five-year-old, six-year-old, still come back when I need them the most. They nourish my soul. I have hidden God's word deep in my heart. We are nourished by the word of God. We're also grounded in our Christian life through God's church, and I trust that is why you're here this morning. But you know something, we churchgoers are a minority in today's world. You know, many people simply weren't raised in the church. Some don't attend a church because they're skeptical of Christianity, and I understand that. And sadly, many people have stopped going to church because they've been hurt by the church. And I do a lot of men's retreats and we get men from all different walks of life. And I, I, whenever I hear someone say, well, you know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, I'll say, that's right. And you don't have to live with your wife to be married either. But there's a lot of benefits to that, aren't there? The truth is we were created to be in relationship we were never meant to go it alone in our christian walk so there are mandates given to the church by god in his word they're often referred to as the one and don't stop meeting with one another the bible says love one another be devoted to one another live in harmony with one another forgive one another bear one another's burdens be kind to one another so why are we a part of god's church Because God said so. That's why it's crucial for us if we are going to grow in our faith that we are rooted in his word and in the church. On the west coast of the United States is found the tallest living tree species on the planet. Coastal redwoods have been known to grow taller than 300 feet in height and up to 20 feet in diameter. Some actually have roadways built through the trunk that a bus can drive through. But what's most amazing about coastal redwoods is how long they live. There are redwoods on the West Coast that have been dated over 2,000 years old. So let's put that in perspective. When Jesus was in diapers, these trees were little saplings on the West Coast. And what makes that so incredible is that these trees have survived hundreds, sometimes thousands of years, uh, uh, dealing with drought and forest fires and the fiercest of storms, 300 foot tall, some of them, even though their roots only grow 10 to 15 feet into the ground. How does that work? You would think the slightest breeze would blow them over. So how is it that these giant redwoods can stay standing When their roots are so shallow, it's because their roots grow out, sometimes up to 100 feet, and they connect with the roots of all the trees around them. Those trees are holding hands with each other underground. You will never see a California redwood growing by itself. It will never survive. So God created this intricate root system to help those trees to stand. And my friends, he's done the same thing for you and me. Because this is the church. This is what the church is meant to be. Where we help each other to stand. Where we get strength from each other. Our first step toward living a Christian life is to be rooted in and built up in christ and then once we are grounded we move into the next phase of christian living and that is the growing phase see once we are rooted and built up in him paul says we are strengthened in the faith as we were taught in other words once our roots have grown down we begin the process of growing up and that my friends is a continual process In verse 10 of Colossians 1, Paul speaks of growing in the knowledge of God. You see, if we are grounded in Christ, we will continue to grow in knowledge and understanding and wisdom. So are you growing? You know, in my ministry, I've encountered a number of believers who have said things like, yeah, my faith is kind of stagnant. I'm I'm in a bit of a holding pattern with God right now. I, I I had to hit the pause button for a while. And here's the truth about that. There is no such thing as a stagnant Christian. Either we are growing or we are dying. There is no such thing as being in neutral in our Christian journey. Either we are moving closer to Christ or we are moving farther away from Him. So let me ask you again, are you growing? If we want to live with a vibrant faith, if we truly want to bear the fruit of Christ in our lives, we must continually be growing. You know, if a flower in my garden is not producing blooms, I know something is not right because it's not doing what it's been created to do. You know, remember I said earlier, God's job is to to bring growth. Our job is to create an environment for growth to take place. So I can't make that flower grow, but I can create a different environment for it. Maybe that plant just needs to be moved to a different location. Maybe it just needs more water. Maybe it needs a little fertilizer. And friends, the same is true for us. If we are not growing in our faith, we will not produce fruit. And if we don't produce fruit, we are not doing what God has created us to do. So something needs to change. We need to create an environment where that growth can take place. And maybe for us, that means we need to change location. We need to ask ourselves the question, what kind of people are we hanging around with? See, it's hard to see the sun if we're hanging around shady people. Maybe we just need to place ourselves around new friends who reflect the light of Christ in their life. And that's especially true for you young people. Your chances of growing spiritually are greatly enhanced by your spending time with other young people who want to grow spiritually. So sometimes for us to grow, we need to change locations. We need to place ourselves in an environment that is more conducive to growth. Maybe we just need a little more water. Maybe we're spiritually dry because we're not tapping into the living water that the Holy Spirit provides. In the book of John, we read these words from Jesus. He said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Tap into that living water and you'll never dry out. Friends, we cannot grow in the christian life without living water maybe we're not growing just because we need a little more fertilizer in our life now farmers will tell you the best fertilizer is good old-fashioned manure and it's amazing but a little manure can bring about a lot of growth the reality is we all have manure to deal with in our lives This is true of of plants. It's true of us. A little manure can bring about a lot of growth because honestly, it is the stinky, smelly, undesirable circumstances of life that bring about the most growth (laughs) because it's in those times when we're knee-deep in manure that God can do his best work in us. The Greek word for manure is skubala, And the truth I want to impart with you today is that everyone in life, even the strongest of Christians, has to deal with stinky, smelly circumstances of life. I guess the nicest way of putting it is scuba happens. (laughs) (laughs) And no one knew that better than Paul. Because even though Paul was an all-star in the Christian faith, it, by a dramatic conversion to, to Christianity. That didn't mean his life was a bed of roses. His life as a believer was marked by suffering and struggling. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul shares just some of the things that he had to deal with. He says, Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one." Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And you thought you were having a couple of bad weeks? <laughs> that is some serious scuba. But that is exactly the kind of fertilizer that God used in Paul's life to help him to become the man that he wanted him to be. You know, God can bring about growth in us through the reading and applying of his word, by being a part of a church family, by regular times of prayer and solitude. But I would guess that for many of us, the most spiritual growth that has happened in our lives was during times of hardship and pain. Because it is often in times of hardship and pain that we experience the most spiritual growth. And friends, that was definitely true of me. If you've ever heard me speak, you know that when I was a child, I lived with an alcoholic father, something I never would have chosen. In fact, I prayed every day when I was a kid that God would take that away. But the life lessons I learned in those 16 years could never have been taught any other way. That experience proved to be training ground that prepared me to be in full time ministry, something I would never have been involved in otherwise. You now, years ago, when I was in church ministry in Highland, uh, Jan and I went to a, a marriage conference, and, and I'll never forget the speaker said, I have a question for you men. Just shout out the word wherever you're seated. What's the first word you think of when you think of your father? And a man yelled out, Strong. Someone over here loving, someone here encouraging, supportive. And then one man took a risk. He said, absent. Then came angry, alcoholic, abusive, critical, condescending. Boom, 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 boom. I turned to my wife and said, I'm going to write a book. I can't stand to see all these people carrying this pain that I know a little something about. But the problem is, I just started a job at the church that God clearly called me to. And if you know anything about church ministry, there's no spare time in church ministry, is there, Andy? There is no spare It's not like I'm going to write this book during the evenings or on the weekends. No, I realized after three years of wrestling with this, if I'm going to write this book, I I have to quit my job. So... I decided to spend some time at a pastor's retreat center. My wife and I had been there three times before. I said, this time i got to go by myself because God and I need to duke this out once and for all. So for three and a half hours as I'm driving to Wisconsin, I'm praying. No radio, no ballgame, no music. I'm just praying, God, if I'm going to write this book, I have to quit my job. Let the record show that's a really dumb thing to do in this economy. But if that is what you're asking me to do, all I ask is that you make it clear. You just smack me upside the head with a two-by-four. Make it clear. Because if you're asking me to do it, I will do it. I just need it to be clear. This is my three-and-a-half-hour prayer, right? I get to the place, check into my room. I get comfortable in the lazy boy overlooking the lake, and I reach into my book bag. I was just about finished reading a book, um, Ironically Emotionally Healthy Church. Um, but I grabbed the wrong book. So I muttered a few things that pastors shouldn't say out loud. And I'm looking at this book that I grabbed accidentally called Life of the Beloved by Henry Nouwen. And I thought, well, it's the only thing I got. I might as well read it. And I open it up, and in the introduction to the book, Henry Nouwen talked about being interviewed by a reporter before he spoke in the reporter's town. And Nowen said, I could just tell during this interview something was wrong with the guy. So after the interview, I just looked at him and said, Are you happy? And the reporter said, No. Nowen said, Do you like your job? The reporter said, No. Nowen said, If you could do anything in the world, what would you do? The reporter said, I would write a book. <laughs> Henry Nowen said, and I quote, So quit your job and write a book. I'm getting goosebumps. I had my answer in the first five minutes. And I'm alone in my room laughing hysterically because that was my two-by-four upside the head. And now I have had a whole week to write out my letter of resignation. And I've never turned back. I wrote my book called When Father is a Bad Word. I began a ministry called Finding Father's Love, and now I go around the country speaking to groups and and leading seminars and men's conferences and, and helping people to see that no matter what experience we may have had with our earthly father, we have a heavenly father who delights in spending time with us, who loves us more than we could ever know, who wouldn't think of hurting or leaving his kids. And I can tell you without a doubt that, as painful and shameful as it was to grow up with an alcoholic dad, with all the yelling and accusations, all the missed ball games and band concerts, and this horrible feeling that I just didn't matter, nothing strengthened my faith more. You see, the enemy meant that for evil. God meant it for good. And only he can take the most horrible, painful experiences of our lives and actually turn them into good. Or as that famous author Anonymous once said, God uses our deepest pain as the launching pad of our greatest calling. God and only God can take our worst, most painful experiences and transform them into something that is rich and useful. He does it all the time. Suffering and struggles are things we would never choose, but they're part of God's growing process in our Christian life. So step 1. We are grounded, we're rooted and built up in Christ. Step two, we grow, we're strengthened in the faith as we were taught. And that leads us to step three, which is gratitude. Or as Paul describes it, overflowing with thankfulness. You see, it's a natural progression. We need to be grounded before our faith can grow. And our faith needs to grow before we can overflow. So the last step of spiritual maturity is gratefulness. Friends, gratefulness is the flower of faith. It's a natural, beautiful result of a life well lived. Paul told believers in the Colossian church that if they were rooted and built up in Christ, that would lead to their overflowing with thankfulness. Paul also talked about gratitude in his letter to the church in Ephesus. He says we are to always be giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Gratefulness is a natural response to our being grounded and growing in Christ. So my question is, are you grateful, truly grateful for what you have in Christ? Are you overflowing with gratitude? Is gratefulness a large part of your prayers? Or do you spend more time complaining about what you don't have as opposed to being grateful for what you do have? And how do you think God takes that? I mean, as a parent, how would you feel if the only time your kids talked to you was when they wanted something? I mean, you'd wonder if they really loved you. You'd wonder if they actually appreciated what you've done for them. Yet when we look at our conversations with God, how much of our prayer time is spent telling Him what we want as opposed to thanking Him for what He's already given us? Now, I began a practice a few years ago that I still do today. At least once a week when I pray, I don't ask God for anything. I thank Him for what I already have. And those things that I desperately want, I thank Him as if He's already given them to me. So maybe you could make one day a week Thanksgiving Day. Or here's another idea. As you go to bed at night, instead of gearing up for all the things that you have to do the next day or thinking about all the things that happened that day, Try counting blessings instead of sheep. Try just giving a review of your day and all the things you have to be thankful for. And I guarantee you, even though you may have had a lot of bad things happen that day, if you look hard enough, you will find things that you can be thankful for. See, adopting an attitude of gratitude will bring your Christian faith into a whole different stratosphere. Only God can bring about spiritual growth in us, but what you and I can do is create an environment for spiritual growth to take place. Create an environment for growth to take place, and God will bring your life to fruition. So what is the environment of your soul? How is your root system? Are you sufficiently grounded? Do you have God's word firmly implanted in your heart so you can withstand the schemes of man? Are you holding hands with fellow believers under the surface, helping each other to weather the storms of life? Are you growing? And remember, if you're not growing, you're dying. Are you getting enough light from the Son of Righteousness? Are you hanging with people who are preventing your growth or actually helping you to grow? Are you drawing regularly from the streams of living water? And what about gratitude? Are you always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, as Paul said? Friends, if we are grounded, we will grow. And when we grow, we can't help but be grateful. And when we are grateful, we will do what God created us to do. We will blossom and bring glory to our creator who deserves all the praise and honor and glory. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful that you have called us to be your children. We pray that you will help us in our journey. Help us to grow so that we may produce fruit. That our lives might reflect the beauty of the life of our Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.